interesting focus um, uh, in that side, this side of the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the assembly, assembly hall. Uh, those uh, that may not know the Simfukwes, these are were old time members at Inkana East Chapel, and uh, they are now in the UK. Um, Mrs. Simfukwe lost her mother a few weeks ago, and uh, that's why uh, I believe they are around. So, welcome to Simfukwes, and uh, welcome to all our visitors that are in our midst this morning. Um, just also to mention that uh, the next uh, two Sundays, in fact the next uh, uh, couple of Sundays, until uh, the celebrations, we'll take a break from the book of Colossians. Uh, and so um, the next Lord's Day, as uh, Pastor Chioni comes, he will not be, will not be in Colossians but we'll be looking at um, uh, the subject of keeping the Lord's Day holy, uh, and then we'll uh, get into other teachings uh, until we do our celebrations. And also just to mention that uh, I think two weeks before our celebrations, we have uh, uh, two Sundays of prayer and fasting. Uh, so please, uh, the actual days will be uh, announced to us uh, in due course. Right, um, we this morning are still in, in Colossians, and uh, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, Colossians and chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, and uh, our focus this morning will be uh, verses 11 to 15. Uh, before we turn to the scriptures and uh, desire to uh, say something about it, uh, explain something about it, please let's uh, just turn to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we uh, give thanks again for uh, the opportunity that is ours in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that, Lord, we can meet together yet again this day, the day that you have made, the day in which we rejoice in your goodness and in your mercies. We pray, our Father, that uh, as we uh, now turn to the scriptures and as we thank you for the way you have led us, we pray that you will uh, yet again lead us uh, in this session, uh, opening our eyes of understanding as it were, uh, helping us to understand what it is you have for us in your word, and uh, granting our Father that at the end of it all, each one of us will have a portion for ourselves that will go with uh, for the betterment of our spiritual lives and for the glory of your holy name. This we ask in our Savior's name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please, uh, again, it's Colossians in chapter 2, if I can begin reading from verse number 4. Now, this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words, 
For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Verse number eight, beware lest anyone cheat you or through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead boldly, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Verse number 11. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him uh, through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. So much. For now. The Apostle Paul writing to the Colossians, writing to a church at great risk of being swayed from the truth by various false teachings. Something that we have mentioned, something we'll keep mentioning concerning what is contained in the book of Colossians. And one of the, the key issues that was a great risk to this change, great risk of being swayed from the truth, was the teaching, the false teaching, that Christ was not enough for salvation. Something extra according to the false teachers, according to the Gnostics, there was something extra that the people needed for salvation. The Apostle Paul keeps emphasizing the truth that Christ was at the center. Christ is at the center of man's salvation. And because Christ is at the center of man's salvation, those 
that are in Christ are complete in him. As we read from verse number 10, there's nothing else to be added. If you are in Christ, you are complete in him. And last Lord's Day, we were being fed from the topic, beware of being led captive. And we are people that are quite gullible, that can easily be led astray, that can be easily led captive by fascinating but ungodly wisdom or philosophies. We can easily be led by deceit, empty deceit. We can be led by traditions of men and by elementary principles of men. In our text this morning, the Apostle Paul continues in a sense on the same course of reminding the church at Colossae about the worthlessness of some some of the, 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 the legalistic practices that these false teachers were peddling at the church at Colossae. And further, reminding the believer, reminding the Christian about what has happened to them as a result of their coming to faith in Christ. And so, in a sense, what we have in our text this morning is, is, is this, this reminder of, of what has happened to a child of God. What has happened to someone that has come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in a sense, he, he is pointing out the truth that there are some, some what I'm calling, uh, critical spiritual changes. There are some critical spiritual changes that have happened in the life of a believer. Changes, in a sense, that define what a Christian is, according to our text. And so, my aim this morning is, 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 is simply to ask the question and also answer the question, who is a Christian, as outlined for us in our text this morning? Who is a Christian? In other words, if we can link it up to what we were being taught last Sunday, who is this person that must be aware, that must be beware of being led captive? Who is this Person who must beware of being laid astray, being laid away from the truth. And I have three points to answer and to explain and answer that question. And the first one is that we are talking about a person, according to our text, who has undergone spiritual circumcision uh, from verse number 11. And secondly, we're talking about a person who is baptized in Christ. And thirdly, we're talking about a person who has been delivered from the consequences of sin. 
So firstly then, who is a Christian? And my answer from verse 11 and our answer from verse 11 is that it is someone that has undergone a spiritual circumcision. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, I believe that we are familiar with uh, the ritual of circumcision, uh, basically the cutting off of the foreskin of a male. It was a key Old Testament sign, a key Old Testament demonstration indicating the connection of a person one to Abraham and secondly and most importantly to God and that is a story that we see in Genesis chapter 17 verse 9 to 9 to 14 we won't attend to that or encourage us to take note of that and read it it was a sign of God's covenant with Israel. It demonstrated that there was this important relationship between God and Israel. And obviously, it's a ritual or a practice that became empty, an empty ritual it was, if it was not followed uh, by a consecrated life, a life that uh, shows commitment as it were. If it didn't show the commitment to God, it was an empty ritual. The sense in which the Jews in this church, the church of the first century, and indeed believers at Colossae still thought that a physical circumcision was required for salvation. Remember, we are talking about uh, people uh, peddling false teaching that there was something extra to salvation. And among those things was this aspect of circumcision. In a sense, false teachers must have capitalized on this particular tradition, this particular ritual. But we see in the text that Christians or a believer or somebody that is right with God is one that has experienced a new circumcision, a different circumcision than the ritualistic physical circumcision that was happening amongst the children, the male children of Israel. And we are told that we are talking about a circumcision made without a hand or without hands. In other words, we are not talking about a physical circumcision. We are talking about a spiritual one. Something 
say is a spiritual one. It is something that has happened through the work of God in the life of a person that has come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put it differently and hopefully simply, a Christian is one that has undergone or has experienced a critical change that is being referred to here as a circumcision not made by hand. And there is an explanation of what this is and the Bible says that it is the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh. In other words, it is a change. A change that has taken place in the life of a person that has come to faith. Change from an old so-called old Adamic nature or status to a new status. We can talk about a believer or a person being born again. Meaning something has changed. This person is different. He was like this initially and he is like this now that he has come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Spiritual circumcision. A surgery in a sense performed by the triune God in line with the promise of the Old Testament believer in the Old Testament. And if I can just read that from Deuteronomy and chapter 30 and verse number 6. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. There is a reason why that must happen. To love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live, that you may have life. It's a change that brings about life. God will perform spiritual circumcision on the heart of the person that comes to faith that that person will have life. Because this spiritual circumcision has taken place, is, as it were, a change of heart. I think it's Jeremiah that talks about removing the heart of stone and, 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 and replacing it with a heart of flesh. Spiritual circumcision. In that way, a person is made right with God. In that way, a person has a new nature 
as we have, in a sense, stated. And in the words of 2 Corinthians and chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, old things have passed away, all has become new. We are changed. Through this spiritual circumcision, we acquire a new status. Who is a Christian? One that has undergone spiritual circumcision. One that has had an experience of an old life and now is experiencing a new life in Christ. Yes, the person is not perfect and is not perfect and will still sin because, yes, a new nature has come upon him or her, but he or she is still in this old body. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 says the body of death. Christian has a new inside and an old outside as it were. And there is this fight between desiring to go forth and to pursue spiritual life and the fight with the flesh. And your life and your heart because somebody has undergone spiritual surgery, spiritual circumcision. Who is a Christian? Secondly, and very briefly, one, hope, one who is baptized in Christ. Verse number 12. It's a continuation of the argument with circumcision, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him uh, through faith in the waking of God who raised him uh, from the dead. Many thoughts, many schools of thoughts concerning this baptism indicated here. But I'm sure it is safe for me to say that we are basically here talking about uh, spirit baptism, if I can use that term or that phrase, a baptism, as it were, without hands. In other words, not necessarily water baptism, although when we read the text, we see uh, a beautiful picture of water baptism. In the sense, it's, it's, it's comparable to what we undergo when we go through water baptism. Go through water baptism, we are dipped under the water, a symbol of being buried with Christ. Then we come out of the water in baptism, a symbol of being raised with Christ. And so a similar symbolism, as it were, is explained for us here. 
but specifically there is this aspect of being buried with him in baptism indicating a placement in Christ or simply stated a description of the union that a believer has with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Parallel verse, uh, parallel scripture rather, is given to us in Romans, Romans chapter 6. Let me just try to read that. Romans and chapter 6. And if I can read from uh, verse number 3. Uh, to seven. Or do you not know that as many of us, Romans 6, 3 to 7, or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be done away with. This is the same, the, same, uh, the same words, the same thought that we see in Colossians. Doing away with the body of sin. Uh, verse number 6 again. Knowing this that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be slaves to sin or of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. A picture being painted in a sense is that the Christian has, together with Christ, been crucified. Yes, he doesn't have the nail prints in his hands, but the Lord has those nail prints. He is in Christ, and because he is in Christ, he was crucified with Christ, raised with him, to newness of life. And so we can talk about again an old body and a new body. A new, an old life and a new life. Who is a Christian? Number three. One that has been delivered from the consequences of sin. I want to just put together verses number uh, 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 13 to 14 as I address this particular matter. 
verse number 13. And you being dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespass. Ephesians chapter 2 has a familiar uh, similar scripture concerning our deadness in our sins. Delivered from the consequences of sin. What are the consequences of sin? One of them is the penalty of sin. We know that there is a gulf, as it were. There is a chasm between unrepentant man and God. And repentant sinful man, therefore, cannot have fellowship with God. That person remains separated from God. And because he is or she is separated from God, the wrath of God hangs on that person. If you are not a child of God this morning, the wrath of God, the anger of God rests upon you. It is resting upon you because of your state, your state of deadness, spiritual deadness. You are dead in your life. Yes, you are walking, you are breathing, you are eating, but spiritually you are dead. My sister was talking about when she started attending the family service. She, she could not appreciate anything that was being spoken about, that was being preached. The reason is because she was dead in her sins. She was spiritually dead. When we are dead in our trespasses and walking in the deadness of our sinfulness, we are simply awaiting the ultimate penalty for our sinfulness. Eternal death in hell. The good news is here that if you are a Christian you have been raised. You have been made alive. Being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. The uncircumcision of your flesh, the old life. He has made alive together with him, 
in a connection again to us dying with him and being raised up with him to newness of life made alive together with him having forgiven your trespasses Christ came that we might be reconciled to God and be delivered from the penalty of sin. And that's the, that's the message in John 3.16, isn't it? For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not experience this penalty that relates to the deadness of sin. But instead, will have everlasting life. We'll have deliverance from the penalty of sin. So, who is a Christian? Is that person, that person who at one point was walking in the deadness of sin, dead in his or her trespasses. The gospel preached to him, he comes to his senses, his spiritual eyes opened, his spiritual understanding opened, cries out to God, asks for forgiveness. Christ does not only forgive some of our sins. Look at the rendering in at the end of verse number 13. Having forgiven all trespasses. When we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have our sins forgiven. Sins that we have committed. Sins that we are committing. Because of the flesh that is fighting with, with our spiritual lives. Sins that we will commit as long as we are in this body of death. All sins forgiven. That's the Christian. Are you a Christian? Who is a Christian? One that has known forgiveness of all his sins. Forgiveness of all her sins. John 5.24 put it this way Verily, verily I say unto you quoting the King JV He that heareth my word and believeth on me that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death to life newness of life. Have you known the forgiveness of your sins? Have you come to a point where you realize your sin and sinfulness and cry to God, forgive me of my sins. He said that 
he who is born twice dies but once. If we have been born and are born again, we will only die once. If we only have been born once, we will die twice. We will die twice because now we are dead in our trespasses and when we die, we will completely die. Perish in hell. Everlasting punishment. But you don't need to die twice. Christ is available for you. Cry out to him. Genuinely do so. And you will know forgiveness of all your sins. But what we see here, we also see, secondly, and this is my last point, deliverance from the payment of sin. Verse number 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. I like the way uh, the, the, the NIV puts it. The NIV puts it this way. Having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. I think it's a beautiful way that NIV has put it. The point is, a sinful man has, has a spiritual debt. And this spiritual debt has come up because of breaking God's law. We cannot keep God's law. And because of that, the handwriting of requirements in my new KJV, or simply put, this certified record of date, this bill of date, is undisputable. We cannot claim otherwise. We are in debt. We have disobeyed God. And it is a date that must be paid. The challenge is we, in our human capability, we cannot pay this debt. We cannot pay the Kongole, as it were, that we owe to this holy God. It is a debt that is against somebody that has not come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord that through the power of the cross this debt has been cancelled. 
this debt has been blotted away, wiped away as it were. Wiped away and given a fresh start. So as Christ went to the cross, bearing our sins, he was paying for this debt. He was atoning for our sins in the weight of in the theological in theological terms as it were. He was atoning or paying our debt of sin. And as we come to faith in him, the guilt of our past, the date we owe is erased. Our blessed Lord nails it, nails our date, our sinfulness, our condemnation to the cross. Fully paid. You don't need to have high blood pressure over it. You don't need to worry that the, the, uh, uh, the berries who pounce on me, you don't need to be scared that, that this, this, this God I owe, Gongoles, who will take me to court. Just thinking about uh, the, uh, what Gongoles need to in our day to day. I'm sure we, 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 we are familiar with some headline news about uh, some, some civil servants uh, and some other people uh, committing suicide because they cannot, they cannot pay their Congolese. A different story for our Congolese, spiritual Congolese. We do not need to think suicide. We don't need to be suicidal. The Lord has paid our indebtedness. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. According to Psalm 32, verse 1 to 2, how wonderful to have our date of sin cancelled by the cross of Christ. But thirdly and lastly, what we see here is a deliverance from the power of sin. And two, two things, basically, and quickly. We are told in verse number 15, and he, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. We have been delivered from the power of sin. 
Sin has no power over a child of God. We have, in other words, victory over sin. Outside Christ, we are under bondage. Again, remind you that if you are not a child of God, if you are not a Christian, you are under the bondage of Satan, the bondage of the devil. And yours is to do his bidding. Yours is to say to him when he says, jump, how high should I jump? You are a slave to sin. When we come to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, in repentance and faith, this bondage is destroyed because Satan has been disarmed. The grip on us is loosened as it were. And we do not have to live lives that are defeated, as it were, by sin. We have a source of power. We have a source of power to stand up against Satan and his schemes. Obviously, that implies that our walk with the Lord must be in line with what he requires of us. If we are to, 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 to tap into this power, the power to resist the devil and his kings, our lives must be in line with what he requires us to be. We must recognize the fact that we are complete in him. Secondly, and lastly, under this heading, or the sub, subheading, Christ has triumphed over the principalities and authorities on the cross. The Lord Jesus Christ not only disarmed the spiritual forces, but he, he triumphed over them. He made, as it were, a public spectacle of them to make a public spectacle is, is, is in a sense something simply to, 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 to expose publicly to expose their lack of grip as it were on this person that has come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ <coughs> <coughs> The cross, excuse me, <coughs> the cross is used or was used as a tool for shaming and disgracing God. But the table stand as it were. It is the very tool God has used to shame Satan, to shame the followers of Satan to shame Satan and 
the co-accusers, as it were, the accusers of man. This must be very comforting words to the believer. Comforting in the sense that, as I have mentioned, we have this power. Power to tap into 24-7. And because we have this power to tap into 24-7, we should be rejoicing. We should be glad that Satan has no grip on us. We, in the moment of temptation, are able to run to this Christ to give us the strength to flee temptation. What am I saying as I come to a close of my discourse this morning? <clears throat> are you a Christian this morning? Or who is a Christian? Christian is one who has acknowledged that Christ has died in his or her place. That Christ has made, made him or her alive, spiritually alive. Before he was a Christian before she was a Christian he or she was dead in sin spiritually dead heading for eternal punishment in hell having his or her eyes opened this person has undergone a spiritual surgeon, spiritual circumcision, and is enjoying new life in Christ. And because he or she is enjoying new life in Christ, the consequences of sin are no longer upon this person. This person united in baptism with Christ is delivered from the power of sin, delivered from the indebtedness of sin, the payment of sin, delivered from the penalty of sin. That is who a Christian is. Big question is, are you a Christian? So the question has changed from who is a Christian to are you a Christian? And the challenge to you, if you are not a Christian, is that you 
can be a Christian now. You can be a Christian today. Christ came. But if you cry to him, genuinely, with a genuine heart, with a contrite heart, you will be saved. You will receive the forgiveness of all your sins. What can be better news than that? May the Lord help someone to respond and respond positively to that. Let's pray together. Lord, we are thankful to you. We uh, honor your name that, again, we have had this privilege to just read the scriptures and just make some comments, some feeble comments on the scriptures. I thank you for what Christ has done. That Christ has made a way for us. Christ has made a way for us to not be under the bondage of Satan and sin. Has made a way for us to, to come alive, to come spiritually alive. As we cry out to him for forgiveness, he performs a change upon our hearts, transforming us from spiritual deadness unto a new life. A new life under which we no longer have the power of sin hanging on us. We, as it were, are delivered from the power of sin. We are delivered from the penalty of sin. And delivered from paying our indebtedness. Thank you for the fact that you have done this. Not on account of anything good in the lives of those that are children of God this morning but all because of your love and your goodness. And your prayer, Father, for any uh, among us that, that have not known uh, this experience, that have known this circumcision of the heart, that have not known this newness of life, would you reach out to such dear God and help them to see sense in what we have been talking about this morning. Open their eyes of understanding. Open their hearts, O oh Lord, that they may cry to you, genuinely so. And we know that when do they do that, you will reach out to them and forgive them of all their sins. Do this, Father, for us and glorify your name as we pray this in our Savior's name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for your attention.
bishop and uh, we praise the Lord for his word that has 